The following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. I'm Grace Bonney of After the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. everyone and welcome to Eat Your Words. I'm your host today, Brianna Kurtz. We have had quite a summer on the show. Guests like Francis Lamb of Cornbread Nation, Ben Calhoun of NPR's This American Life, and our very own Patrick Martins of and with his Carnivores Manifesto. Manifesto. And earlier this summer, I interviewed Matt Sartwell of Kitchen Arts and Letters, New York's own treasured culinary bookstore. Today we're taking a similar tack and looking at another food-focused independent bookstore, but this time traveling to the West Coast, to San Francisco, actually, and to the loved omnivore, omnivore books. And here to talk about it is owner Celia Sack. Hi, Celia. Hi. How are you, Brianna? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. You're familiar with some of those titles, yes? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so first, thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your busy schedule. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so in your own words, I'd love to hear what Omnivore Books is and what services do you provide? Well, I am new cookbooks and antiquarian cookbooks. My background is as a rare book specialist in an auction house that I was at for many years. And that's really where my heart lies. So I feel like the antiquarian part of it, I'm... I'm sort of the gateway drug for collecting because I want to groom new collectors and get them excited about uh, rare books. And so I have a lot of books that are priced very reasonably to sort of get people into it. And then for the new books, um, it's all sorts of cookbooks that you can find anywhere and that you can't find anywhere. I have a lot of British imports and Spanish imports and things that chefs are going to fall in love with and also books that that are going to teach you how to do all sorts of things you never thought that you could do. And to that end, I also have a lot of the authors come and give talks at the shop, usually three or four times a week. Wow. Um, so that adds interest and value to the books because you get to meet the author and get them to sign your book and you get to learn from them how to do everything from making Asian pickles to making cheese in one hour. Wow. It sounds just like um, endless op- uh, possibilities with all those titles <laughs> and... Yes. Um, so how did you decide, I mean, I know you came out of the book um, world, but why the store? Um, and when did I it actually, open in 2008? Is that right? Uh, yes, that's right. We opened in 2008. So when I left the auction house, um, my partner and I decided to actually take over a dog walking service. Of Our dog walker was moving to Australia and offered my, my wife now uh, his business. And she started, and it was the beginning of the dot-com era, and it grew very quickly. And she asked me to join her. And that was a lot of fun. We did that for 10 years and opened a pet store also. Um, in Noe Valley that was sort of near all of our clients. And we ran that together for uh, 11 years. And then the space next to us came open, and we really wanted to do something with it. It's in an old butcher shop, so it's got this scale from the turn of the century and the old redwood walk-in freezer, and it's just an incredible space. And I thought, you know, I want to go back to my roots uh, in bookselling 
uh, and my collecting interest was books on food, so I thought, let's concentrate on one subject and see how that does, because I know the book world is having a struggle, and I think if I go deep on one subject, I'll have a better chance at survival than just sort of being a general bookstore. And also it gets me to do the thing I'm most interested in, which is books on food. It's fascinating. I mean, in the four minutes we've been talking, I've decided that you're my new personal hero, because my <laughs> my secret passion in life is to well, be a dog walker. and a bunch of different things in yeah. your life. Sometimes they're intellectual, sometimes they're visceral. And if you switch back and forth a lot, it really helps your brain. Dog walking is my secret, um, my other life that I want. Oh, it's fabulous. And out here, you know, we get to take them off leash, off out to the beach. So we would just take a truck, let them all out, and they would wander around and follow us for an hour and then get back in. So we don't have to, like, be pulled around on city streets or anything. It's, yeah, it sounds like puppy very heaven. Beautiful. Yes, totally. And I think it's so cool that you guys were also an old butcher shop because when I was talking to Matt um, Sartwell from Kitchen Arts and Letters this summer, he their location's also an old butcher shop. So I think that lineage is, is coincidental. How cool no is idea. that? Yeah. Really interesting. Um, yeah. So, you know, you started in 2008, which maybe um, I'm speaking very generally here, but as far as like the economy at the time, maybe not the best time to go into business. Oh, so how bottom. was that? It was the bottom. And I think there's no better time to start a business because there's really nowhere to go but up. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> I mean, everything is going to look like a total smashing success if you even sell one book. You're like, wow, that's great. What do they mean the economy's falling apart? And, and also as far as book selling, it's, you know, it was, it's sort of, I mean, it's been a real challenge to sort of figure out how to sell books in this new digital era where these challenges keep getting thrown at us, whether it's, you know, Amazon, which was there from the beginning, but now with eBooks and Kindles and, um, you know, all sorts of challenges, it's, it's just kind of uh, an interesting and fun um, puzzle to try to figure out how to keep getting people in. So how do you manage that? Because um, that was definitely a question I wanted to ask. Is it just in the age of eBooks and online? I mean, do you sell online? Do you acquire I, well, online? Well, I do. I sell, so one of, the, one of the ways that I've found around it is that with all these author events that we have and the signed books, which is not something that you can generally get, certainly not on an e-book, but also not on Amazon, um, we offer online, you can pre-order any of the books that are coming up you know, with events to be signed. So, you know, like this fall, we've got Sean Brock coming and Francis Melman and Massimo Bottura, all these, all these well-known people that you don't often get to see or certainly get a signed book from. Uh, and you can pre-order those books to be signed. So that is a big help. Oftentimes, like I remember once Thomas Keller was coming in, I think we had 50 or 60 pre-orders of for signed books. And, you know, we can even get them to inscribe it, dear, you know, whoever, happy birthday. It's it's a really nice service that we can absolutely that we can provide. That's something you can't get from um, a bigger like Amazon or that's maybe right. a book yeah. that you're buying and off also eBay a lot of the or... import books that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll get uh, books from a Spanish publisher that you just can't find here, or a lot of the English books that come out there a year before they come out here. When I was selling the Autolenghi books um, before any of them were published in the U.S. and um, it's funny, none of the, when, when he was, he first came out, Yotam, for the uh, publication of the first book that was going to be published in the U.S., and I knew how popular he was because he was huge in my store, but I couldn't get any restaurants to agree to have a dinner for him because nobody had heard of him. Huh. And I kept telling them, I promise you it's going to sell out in like 30 minutes. You know, you're going to do great. And I, you know, I, it took 
much wrenching to finally get one restaurant after I tried like eight different ones. So now he's on book like 10 or something. I'm not really, but I know I just seems like every year he's, you know, putting something out. So I'm sure now that's uh, quite the opposite with his uh, events. Yeah, totally. I mean, I keep teasing him. I'm going to rename my shop the Autolangi Bookshop. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like all I sell. How nice of you. Um, So I know you do specialize in antique books and that's something near and dear to my heart. Um, So what is the acquisition process like for you? Like if I, if either, if I were a customer asking for a book or you knew there was a book or you just find them out there and you, you buy them up? You know, it's a lot of different ways. Um, and as I said, I was a rare book specialist for many years, so I know I know sort of the, the routes to go, and I have a lot of the connections with other rare book dealers. But um, oftentimes I'll get collections, like Jeremiah Tower sold me his whole collection of books um, that he decided he didn't want anymore. Or I got the collection of a woman that, that had all of MFK Fisher's books that had been in her personal library. So a lot of them were inscribed, you know, from James Beard to MFK Fisher. And that, those were absolutely fabulous. But like one of the most incredible collections that I got this year, um, which is all American books, 19th and early 20th century. Um, and she goes very deep into, you know, Southern cookbooks and mm-hmm. different regional cookbooks. Um, I had just been buying from her on eBay and I wrote to her directly and said, I keep winning all your auctions. Do you want me to just come down and take a look at your library? And I went, she said, sure. So I went down and it was one of the most incredible collections I've ever seen put together and wow. enormous. I mean, I'm just slowly bringing it up to San Francisco because I don't even have the space. So I go down every few <laughs> months and, and pick up more. And she's wonderful and we've become good friends and, and we love talking about the books. Um, one of the things that, that rare book dealers do a lot when they go in and see a great collection is they pretend to be totally nonchalant and uninterested, which I think is such a disservice because they want to get a low price. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a disservice to to the industry and to the person you're buying it from. I can't hide my enthusiasm. I'm sure your eyes light up. And And I think she's really happy about it. This woman that I'm buying them from is, you know, must make her feel really good that every book, I'm like, oh my God, how did you get this? This is Mm -hmm. incredible. And and I am. I'm totally excited about it. And and it's so wonderful to be able to spread them out too to other people. I sort of picture it like a dandelion that somebody's put together all these books and it's like the head of a dandelion and then I'm just taking it and blowing on it and letting them all reseed themselves in other people's libraries Aww. and collections. Well, I and, know being one, like people who are pretty um, careful or um, have attachment to their books that mm-hmm. when you are t- deciding to turn them over, um, someone like yourself, you can feel like they're in good hands and um, it makes yeah, the process a little so. bit more, <laughs> a little bit <Yes>. easier. And, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, and I sell a lot of those online, too. I've got a big presence, and I, I have particular collectors that I let know that we've got a collection that I just posted online, and then I let the general public know. And those are on the on the website, on the Vintage Books page. And I've got, you'll see in there, the California collection or Southern collection, and um, and then just various ones. And, does you know, and then sometimes have... I just go scouting at used bookstores. Mm-hmm. There's a bookshop up in Santa Rosa that I just was at last weekend and bought you know, four huge boxes of 
books that they had from different collections. They had gotten they had gotten all these signed Marion Cunningham books and I don't know, some fabulous things. So I does Omnivore have a specialty? Do you have um, like is it California or um, Italian or do you have no, like a no? You know what? It's all different. Mm-hmm. It's um, I, I mean at the same time that I got this American collection, I got a collection of English and French eighteenth mm-hmm. um, and early nineteenth century books. So much earlier um, on food. So it, and what does the customer look like for those types of books? Is it chefs or just um, historians or is it your you know, everyday it's cook? all sorts of people and I'm constantly trying to groom new collectors mm-hmm. but I, a lot of the chefs it's really, that's been one of the most fun and satisfying parts of the job um, is to be able to sell these books to chefs who really appreciate them. I mean, Alan Wong, who's a big chef in Hawaii, who's been a big part of their sort of movement of, of natural Hawaiian native foods, um, he buys a lot of early Hawaiiana from me in those cookbooks. Uh, I just sold Hugh Asheson, a first edition of Ma Gastronomie by Fernand Point that he really loved. Um, Edward Lee in Kentucky bought a lot of these antiquarian books from Kentucky that mm-hmm. were sort of important early books about their food culture. So that's been a really enjoyable um, part of the business is is making connections with these chefs and having them come into the shop. Uh, Dan Barber bought a bunch of books on early grains in America that were that published <laughs> you know, in the late 1800s. Yeah. Um, so that sort of thing, you know, it's so fun to pinpoint their interests and mm-hmm. get them to... And then what about um, like your um, like more like recipe book shopper, like your foot traffic, I guess? Um, foot traffic, you know, people, I hate this, this thing that people say nobody cooks anymore or mm-hmm. young people don't cook. Totally untrue. I would say the, the largest um, segment of people who come into my shop are in their 20s and 30s, and they're totally into cooking. They're totally into the cookbooks, and they oftentimes walk away with a big stack. Uh, and I get a lot of tourists, too. A lot of people trek up from from Union Square to my shop, which is really nice because our neighborhood is beautiful with all these Victorian houses, and it's it's really nice for them to get out of downtown anyway and explore, and then it's fun to have them come up to the shop. And yeah, I think that your uh, store has definitely become a destination. When people go to San Francisco, you, you have to stop eating at some point, so maybe between lunch <laughs> and dinner, they're like, okay, we'll just go look at food books now. Exactly. And, well, <laughs> and take a break. Sorry for people because they think that I'm really close to Tartine and mm. that, that whole strip by right and everything and um, it's actually up this huge hill and so they don't realize that the numbered streets have have streets in between as well so it's actually like twice as long as they think it's going to be and uphill so they always come in huffing and puffing and I know exactly what happened that they thought that I was right around the corner but I wasn't but hey it's good exercise for them they can walk off that tartine orange bun you know well before we take a quick break um I want to just say on a personal note that I love your your Twitter. I mean, I'm in New York, so I don't get to go to Omnivore very often, but um, but it's at Omnivore Books is the handle, and it, it's like just a curation of my favorite things. There's food. There's you do a beautiful photos of your antique books, and there's puppies, and it's just like <laughs> it just makes me happy. <laughs> All sorts of personal comments. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Celia from Omnivore Books. Stay with us.
Today's program was brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run digital and offset print house that brings together eco-friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Using environmentally responsible papers, non-toxic inks, and wind power, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and mindful sustainability. Rolling Press offers advice on reducing paper waste and energy consumption, helping you save money and minimize your carbon footprint. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. All right, we're back. You're listening to Eat Your Words here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Brianna Kurtz, and I'm speaking with Celia Sack of Omnivore, Omnivore Books in San Francisco. I'm having trouble getting that out today. <laughs> Quite all right. A lot of people do. <laughs> At least you got my last name right. Most people say Sacks, and it makes me insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so on any just given day, about how many titles do you carry in the store? Um, you know, people Ball always say that, and I can Ball never <laughs> be sure. Probably two to three thousand. Wow. Okay. Um, and kind of going back, but looking forward, um, in since you opened in two thousand eight, what have you and with your history in rare books, what have you seen um, as far as development in major changes in like in food culture, but also in the books that are being printed, the books that are selling, the customers that are buying. Well, in the books that are printed, I would say, you know, blogs have really helped a lot of authors get published. Publishers are looking for someone that already has some sort of platform and following, because that can be assured to be somewhat of a hit. Um, Smitten Kitchen is a perfect example of that. Deb Perlman really, really built up such a strong audience and loyal following um, that the publisher probably knew that they had a were going to have a smash hit on their hands before they even signed her. Um, so a lot of those people get published. Also, um, Heidi Swanson in San Francisco has 101 cookbooks, is her blog, and she's hugely popular here. And 10 Speed Press publishes her and can be assured that, that her book is going to be a hit. So that's kind of nice for them. Um, I would also say that restaurant cookbooks have gotten to be really, really huge. I think... For the same reason that the publishers know that they already have a large following and a lot of people really love the restaurant, and so, of course, they're going to want to buy the book. And that, so I I see more and more of that. And it's kind of interesting watching the the publishing industry seeing what happens when. So spring books are oftentimes books that teach you actually how to do something new in the kitchen, you know, how to make Asian pickles, how to make one-hour cheese, uh, how to brew your own beer, things like that. And then um, fall is really the restaurant star, you know, and star chef cookbooks Mm -hmm. come out. Sean Brock's cookbook is coming out about his restaurants in the South, um, Relay by Christian Pugliese, yes. who's a big guy in Denmark, uh, chef, you know, th- things like that tend to come out, that more coffee table type books mm-hmm. in the fall as presents. So it's interesting to see and sort of observe what the publishers are, are doing as far as, as far as figuring out who, what's going to sell when. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you've mentioned a couple, you've mentioned Sean, um, and are there any books that you're looking forward to coming up in the fall? Uh, actually, so, okay. I really love the books that, that have a unique point of view and really tell you about something that you didn't know how to do that teach you that. Mm-hmm. So not just the coffee table books. So like, I'm excited about the Della Fattoria bread book that's coming out, um, this fall, the, 
publishers were nice enough to hold a dinner for local booksellers this weekend at their ranch, and we got to tour the bread ovens uh, up in Petaluma and taste, of course, the bread, and the book is all about their popular bread. So they pr- provide all the bread for French Laundry and um, are just a fantastic local bakery. So I'm excited about that one because it just focuses on bread. I am excited about the Flour and Water cookbook. That's a really popular Italian restaurant in San Francisco, but the book itself really focuses on how to make pasta. And frankly, there are not too many books out there that tell you how to make pasta itself. They tell you how to cook pasta, but they don't tell you how to actually make it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm excited about. And then I'm really excited about Francis Malman's new book called uh, Malman on Fire. He's this Argentinian dude who's totally into cooking over open fires. And his first book, Seven Fires, I use a lot. You don't have to have a, to like dig a fire pit in your backyard to enjoy this book. You can just have a grill, but it's really taught me new techniques that I never would have thought of. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that he's got a new book coming out. It sounds like it's going to be a great uh, fall for book readers and yeah. uh, these chefs will all be busy uh, touring and uh, yeah, doing events definitely. at your store, of course. Um, so are there any right now, uh, are there any sleepers out there, books that maybe aren't getting as much press or just don't seem to be kind of um, turning over as quickly, but maybe that people should be definitely checking out? Yeah, that's a very good question. I I do love this one called Asian Pickles that Karen Solomon wrote. I actually had really been pushing for that because uh, with the with different publishers. That's the other thing I didn't realize that I would have such a voice. Publishers do come and ask me what you know, what's needed out there. What what do I see that there's a hole in the in the canon. Uh, and I, I Asian Pickles is definitely one of them. The DIY movement. I feel like people are advanced enough, like they've done all the pickles that they can that are American (laughs) and and British or European, and they need something new. So Asian pickles is one of them. I also think an Indian breads book would be really a smash hit, but there's not one out there that I know of that anyone's working on. Um, And then there's one, uh, another one that I had suggested to the agent who found a a writer for it is called Southern Italian Desserts, and it's by Rosetta Cosentino. She lives over in Oakland and is from Calabria, and she actually went to Southern Italy and interviewed a lot of different bakers and grandmothers and got these recipes that had really never been written down before. Um, So I really like these these almost micro-specific books Mm -hmm. that teach you how to do something that... uh, that they're sort of the only one out there. Yeah, that, those kind of <laughs> so single those two subjects books are, are really good sleepers. And then there's this this one that a woman named Pascal Beal brought to me the other day. She's an author of a book called Salad. It's S A L A D E, and it's a really interesting approach to salads because it lists it, it. Each chapter is by the ingredient, so asparagus, broccolini, things like that, and how to make a salad out of those um, with several different recipes for each ingredient. Mm-hmm. I love the way it's set up. It's a beautiful book, and it's um, either privately printed or a very small publisher. Um, but she's been making her way around the country and selling it to different booksellers. And the second I got it in, I, I think I sold like six copies within the first weekend that I had it. I mean, people are just drawn to it the way they were drawn to all the yeah. So I, I love that one. So getting away from maybe cookbooks per se, or even the uh, like coffee table lifestyle chef books, um, what about like food writing? 
uh, more like uh, yeah. memoirs or uh, so essays, memoirs, yeah, memoirs and food writing. Okay, so I really love Paul Greenberg's new book, American Catch, all about um, which fish are endangered and why from overfishing. Um, it's it's not. I mean, it's a little depressing, but it's really, really <laughs> interesting too. So I love that. Um, there are a couple of food history books that I am, have loved that have been out for a little while, but don't get enough attention. Um, one is called Twain's Feast, and it also sort of looks at the lost heritage foods of America. What Mark Twain would have been eating and what's become of those foods that like prairie chicken terrapin yeah. uh, from baltimore philadelphia or excuse me terrapin from philadelphia baltimore duck um foods like that fascinating there's a book called 97 orchard that imagines a tenement on orchard street and all the different immigrants that would have been living there at the turn of the century and what foods they would have been eating and have brought, um, and how those foods even came to America. Um, you know, German, Russian, Jewish, uh, fascinating book about those different immigrant foods. And then lastly, I would say I really love this book by Fuchsia Dunlop, who's oh my God. a British woman, you Obsessed. know her, right? Obsessed. Her memoir <laughs> is the best I've ever read. Who was one of the first yeah. um, white people to be led into this mm-hmm. um, Sichuan cooking school. And her memoir is Shark's Fin and Sichuan Pepper, and it's all about learning to enjoy the textures and the food that uh, she was eating in China. And uh, it's just no holds barred. It's a very interesting memoir. Her writing um, is so amazing. I read it once yeah. and I finished it and I immediately reread it again because I felt like I had watched <laughs> a movie and I like was like, I missed something. You know, like a good movie, you're like, I have to see it again and I'll learn something. She's just, uh, I, it's one of my favorite memoirs in not even just like food related that I've ever, ever read. Wow. Oh my God. I'm so glad I picked it then. <laughs> yes. I was like, say no I mean, more. <laughs> when people come in, you know, this is something also that I can offer that that an online service can't uh, and that Matt can offer at his store. You know, when people come in and they say, what's a good food memoir? I can ask them, well, what have you liked in the past? And depending on that, I can usually pick out uh, really good books for them that they're going to, they're going to enjoy if they loved, um, if they loved Anthony Bourdain's book, they're probably going to like Gabrielle Hamilton's memoir. Mm -hmm. If they liked Julia Child's memoir, then they're probably going to like Heat by Bill Buford more than they would like uh, Anthony Bourdain's, you know, so it's it's really fun to sort of pick out what what people would enjoy and then have them come back and tell me that they love the book. It, it just makes me so happy. So moving forward, what does Omnivore look like? Are there any big plans in the works? Are you expanding or... Um, well, actually, we expanded in the in the pet direction. We just <laughs> opened a second pet supply store up in Petaluma. We have a weekend house in Tamales, which is where I am now, um, which is absolutely beautiful sort of coastal area, very close to Tamales Bay and Hog Island Oyster Company. So we're always eating oysters and enjoying that it. That just and sounds it's just awful. 20 minutes from Petaluma. So <laughs> we decided to open a another pet store up there and that's sort of where we're what we're concentrating on so as far as the the bookstore i'm just going to keep buying these great collections of antiquarian books and and digging deeper into those and and grooming more collectors and continue having great authors come through and talk about their new books excellent and what do you if you ever have time um do you read any books or magazines or even food magazines if you want to go there um besides that aren't food related 
Well, oh, that aren't food related. Yes, in fact, maybe two parts. Maybe I food magazines that are not food related. Because when I when I go home, I kind of want to do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I loved Peter Heller's book, The Dog Stars. That was a, a recent one that I really enjoyed. I always love anything by Steinbeck um, and Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. Also, very just, you know. They were written a long time ago, but they are so, their humor is so current that it just really works for for any time. Uh, so I love those. And magazine wise, yeah, usually it's just the New Yorker trying to trying to catch up with <laughs> a stack <laughs> of them sitting there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, we are about out of time. Thank you again so much for talking with us today. Um, how can people find out more about Omnivore or get a hold of you if they're looking for a book? Well, they can go to my website, omnivorebooks.com, or they can call me at the shop, uh, 415-282-4712, and we're happy to tell you if we have something and sell it to you over the phone. We ship very cheaply, and, uh, you know, that's, that's it. Um, thank you so much for having me on the show, too. My pleasure. And now I have about 10 new books to go read. So <laughs> that's all for Eat Your Words today. Um, we will be back next Monday at 1 p.m. when I'm speaking with Bryant Terry about his book, Afro Vegan. See you then. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Get up.